With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Kaboom! If you thought four hours a day, 1,200 minutes a week was enough, Think again. He's the last remnants of the old republic. A sole bastion of fairness. He treats crackheads in the ghetto gutter the same as the rich pill poppers in the penthouse. Wow. The clearinghouse of hot takes break free for something special. The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller starts right now. In the air everywhere. We are back at it. Another weekend has kicked off. It is the fifth hour with Ben Maller and Danny G back again to save you from the boredom on the weekend. I know it can be tough. Not a lot of options to choose from. So we are here for you. And it is just I on the Friday podcast, Big Ben. And we thank you for supporting the radio show. And as you know by now, this podcast is a spinoff of the Ben Maller radio show. Uh, which is uh, available on terrestrial radio. This only available in the podcast format as we begin anew this weekend. And the biggest story in all of sports right now involves the Miami Dolphins, a former Dolphin coach, and a bunch of NFL teams that are squirming right now, a bunch of NFL owners that are squirming right now. This Brian Flores story is insane. And who better to talk about it than a guy by the name of Dan Lust. Dan joins us here. He's a practicing sports attorney. You've heard him on some Fox Sports radio shows. He's been all over the place. You name it, he's popped up. This has been a big week for him as he has been on television and radio doing a number of interviews. Uh, he is a practicing attorney, as he said, but also he's a sports law professor at New York Law School. He's got the gift for Gab. I first heard of him with my friend Tony Bruno a couple years back. I said, this guy's good. And I'm glad that finally we get to to touch base and have a conversation here, uh, me and him. So uh, let's give it up now to uh, Dan Lust. He also hosts a very popular sports law podcast, his own podcast, Conduct Detrimental. So, Dan, let's get right into it. The story of the week involving Brian Flores. You've been all over it, providing some great perspective on this. A lot of money involved, a lot of reputations involved in this, depending on how far it goes. So on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being 
as big as it possibly can get, Dan, how massive is this Brian Flores story? I think you got to lean towards a 10, right? Um, you know, obviously there's always the possibility that the case gets dismissed and, you know, we, we kind of lose on a procedural ground. But the allegations, right, uh, it's somebody calling out the NFL, not, not indirectly, right? Um, you could talk about the Colin Kaepernick case. Was it a case about race? Kind of, you know, but it was really a case about kneeling. Um, it was not really a case that hit directly to the core. Um, and that's what Brian Flores is doing. And, then, uh, you know, I'll give you one step further. You know, the Colin Kaepernick case, right, was one person versus 32 teams. Uh, the Kirk Flood case, another big case in our, our sports law history books, was one guy versus the league. This is a class action lawsuit, which doesn't mean it's not just Brian Flores. He's inviting coaches of the past, right, that maybe were wrong, be it Marvin Lewis, be it, um, you know, uh, Hugh Jackson, be it Jim Caldwell. Some of those guys he explicitly references as in complaint. So this is going to be, uh, you know, maybe tens if not hundreds of people joining Brian Flores on the sideline, no pun intended, and going after the NFL. So from a numbers perspective, this could be, um, you know, I don't, I'm not one to give hyperbole, but from a numbers perspective, it could be the biggest sports law case of all time. Wow. Yeah, and I was trying to wrap my head around it and, you know, reading some of the stuff. And you, had, you have great information. I know you've got a podcast that we'll, we'll plug as well where you took a deep dive in this. But uh, how long, as a lawyer and someone that teaches law, Dan, this seemed to come together pretty quick. How long do you think that Brian Flores was working on this behind the scenes? Because the, the Giants hired a coach, and within a couple of days, boom, this lawsuit's out. So how fast do you think from the time that the lawyers contacted him or he contacted the lawyers that they were able to turn this thing around? Very quickly. Um, you know, we can talk about the timing. There, there was something intriguing to me about the timing element, um, independent of the substance. So they turned this around very quickly, right? You know, it's, it's less than a week they get this thing out. Now, the question that I have, right, like why would you have filed this lawsuit on – you know, on this week, right? The, the statute of limitations for something like this is sometimes years. Like, what was the benefit of doing that? Mind you, also, Flores is in the middle of interviewing for the Saints head coaching position and the Texans head coaching position. The day this lawsuit was filed and became public, he had an interview with the New Orleans Saints. So I'm like, you know, the, the lawyer in me goes, I don't know, if, I, if it was my client, I'd say, hey, why don't you wait until the, you get those jobs or you don't get them? If you get the Texans job or the Saints job, Maybe you know. Maybe you want to consider not suing, right? I'm not sure. You have to have that conversation. Um, and then the other way around, if you don't get those jobs, wouldn't that make your case even stronger, right? If you if you don't get the Texas job and you're not competing against Brian Dable, there's no one you know of that name caliber, and you don't get it. Doesn't that say more? So then I thought about. It. I had this epiphany, um, and as you know, I've been kind of doing you know the media tour. I had this epiphany yesterday, and I'm like, that's why they did it because right now all eyes are on the Houston Texans. You know, they, you know, people have considered him the front runner for the position. And I imagine to some extent with the Saints as well. But now if he doesn't get it, we're going to see it play out in real time, right? Whoever they announce for that job, be it Flores or whoever else, it's going to put exponentially more pressure and more attention on this lawsuit. But that's why I thought the timing was interesting. It was kind of rushed. You know, by all means, no one files a lawsuit within like five days of the thing happening. It's kind of unheard of. Um, but that's why they did it. That's why two law firms are on this, because it was a really, I'm sure, intensive job to get this filed, have the media all lined up, uh, and now kind of sitting pretty uh, as guys like Marvin Lewis speak out on your behalf and Hugh Jackson, and you have a Super Bowl two weeks away, and you're in the middle of you know, Black History Month. Uh, I think it was very well orchestrated from a uh, PR perspective to get this filed 
um, you know, when they did two two week lead up to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and with that with that as the backdrop from the the lawyer's perspective, because you you know again you're the lawyer, so. How does this work financially? Is Brian Flores paying the lawyers? Is this just a case for publicity because it's a high-profile case? I read the the law firm. Uh, these guys, uh, one of the main guys was tied to one of the Harvey Weinstein cases. So this is not you know some small potatoes operation. What do you where do you think the money is going? Do you think they're just going to wait and see what the result is and get some of the money out of that? How how's the financial part of this? So. You know, I don't. The short answer is, I don't think we know. But there's one of two ways that cases are normally uh, retained. And, and uh, you know, as you know, I'm I'm a full-time practicing attorney. So it's a conversation we have when a case walks in the door. It could be a good case, bad case. If it's not a great case, right? You're not. You don't think there's a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. What you would normally do is charge something called like an hourly fee. So anytime I make a phone call, I write a letter. I'm going to charge you, and you're going to get an invoice for it, either at the end of the week or the end of the month, but some type of hourly uh, charge. And I'm going to get paid that no matter if you win or lose. The other way that cases are sometimes handled, uh, if it's a case that's very desirable, that a lot of law firms want that case, uh, all of a sudden that, that client has a lot of leverage to say, you know what, I don't want to pay hourly. I want to do something called a contingency that you guys, the law firm, you get paid zero. You get paid nothing until you, we, we win the case or there's some type of settlement. And then you guys get a third of that, which is a very common uh, procedure. It's the same thing we saw the St. Louis Rams recently. Uh, St. Louis sued the NFL on behalf of, uh, you know, St. Louis Rams contingency when they left um, and went to over to L.A., that was a, a whopping $790 million settlement. The lawyers, if you can believe it, they got a third of that. Uh, it sounds like a crazy number, but then again, for four or five years, those guys didn't get paid, and they were holding all the risk of putting all this work in and getting nothing. So if you ask me, I, I'm leaning towards this case being taken on a contingency. I think Flores probably had the leverage to ask for that, and if this firm really wanted the case and they thought it was going to be as big as I do, they'd be totally fine taking contingency on it. So the, the theory, and Dan, I've talked about this on my radio show this week in the overnight, is that there's no way anyone's going to hire Brian Flores, that he's now toxic, that you can't, you, know, you can't hire the guy. He turned over private messages with Belichick, and he's kind of violated the bubble of trust. But the conspiracy part of me is like, well, what if the NFL said, hey, well, you, know, you can get a job with the Saints or one of these, one of these head coaching jobs and just drop the lawsuit? Could they even do that? Would they get in trouble? Is that is that also illegal to make some kind of brokerage deal with Brian Flores at this point? Kind of. You, you Now we're getting into the territory that happened with Kaepernick, right? Why the NFL was kind of, you know, I, I imagine behind the scenes, we're not going to know what was said in the deposition, but like, why wasn't Kaepernick getting signed at a certain point? Clearly the guy had taken a team, you know, uh, to the verge of a Super Bowl. Uh, clearly he was better than the, the backups that were being thrown out there left and right. But the NFL, I think, behind the scenes was saying, we're not, not signing him because of his views of, and kneeling. We're, we're not signing him because he's a distraction. And there's a, lot, there's a lot that come with it. So, you know, being a distraction is not necessarily an implicit purpose. Like, you know, you can't discriminate against someone based on, like, rage, uh, you know, race, age, or sex, right? But not signing someone because they're a distraction, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's at least colorable that that's not some type of discrimination. I think now... Um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be the Texans making that argument, certainly. But I think now you'd say the guy was the most qualified guy, but there's a lot of noise about hiring him, and we're trying to have a rebuild, and we already have the Deshaun Watson situation on our hands. You know, we just can't can't afford a second you know hit like that to PR. I think people could understand that that's maybe not uh, a discriminatory purpose. Um, again, I don't want to be making that argument if I'm the Texans, and that's why you know as I mentioned, so much more pressure placed on the Texans. He might have got the job, I, and I have people in my replies on Twitter 
Texasians that say they want him to get the job, independent of all of this. He's the, he's the most qualified guy for the job. He turned around the Miami Dolphins in one year. Uh, maybe this is the right guy for the job. Um, but, yeah, if he doesn't get it, right, and, uh, you know, I don't know, could they, could they create some type of deal, hey, we'll give you this job uh, if you make the lawsuit go away? Maybe, but who's, who's going to cut that deal? The Saints are going to cut that deal. The Texans are going to cut that deal um, and make their games kind of a, a, this media uh, frenzy. I don't, I don't know if the team's willing to sign up for that. Yeah, it is, it is interesting. I mean, obviously this whole thing, and I read some of the documents online, the 58 pages uh, that were out there. Some of those were just you know, signed legal uh, documents and whatnot. But uh, the, the, the question is, how much of this is actually meaty so far? You know, early on, could have more stuff added to it, but it seems like a lot of – the word you lawyers use is hearsay. Uh, is there a lot there, you know, and I, I like to pretend like I'm a lawyer. I'm not, but the way I read it, I said, well, that th- these points can be argued by the NFL and they could probably get out of most of this stuff. If not all this stuff, uh, how did you read it? Uh, when you talk about the actual, rather than just hearsay stuff that actually is going to stick here. That's, that's really at the crux of the case, right? Um, you know, even, even the Stephen Ross stuff. I don't know what evidence he has to support that Stephen Ross offered him a bribe to lose games. I imagine uh, Ross would have been smart enough, if indeed this is true, not put it in a text or an email. Um, and I'll go one step further. Seeing how they put the Bill Belichick text in the complaint, uh, that, that's a um, you know a creative move by the lawyers. Well, they didn't have to do that. They could have you know saved that for later and didn't exchange it. Um, I think they would have put a Stephen Ross text or an email like that directly in the complaint. So I'm not sure what they have by way of physical evidence. Um, uh, you know, certainly that's going to be very important. Otherwise, as you mentioned, hearsay, he said, she said, who's more credible? You even have now what's coming out with the Denver Broncos. They're completely refuting his report, um, you know, that the Broncos and Elway showed up late to their meeting. Uh, and they said they have documentary evidence to back that up. So when you bring a case like this, uh, it's not just, you know, uh, oh, I believe the NFL more. I believe Flores more. It's really all eyes are on Flores and the plaintiffs. They bear the burden of proof. They have to prove their case. They have to come forward with the evidence. The court will allow you to get in if you kind of have a colorable or good faith basis to believe something. But you're going to have to find that during discovery, um, you know, these depositions, emails, whatnot, or else the case gets dismissed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's this next period of the case, assuming it gets to discovery, is going to be really crucial. Right. Um, Bill Belichick's going to have to answer the tough questions. Uh, Elway is going to have to answer the question, Stephen Ross. That's a who's who of, of NFL personnel. Um, you know, so, yeah, uh, you can't just have a case on hearsay. I mean, sometimes you can, but you need something that the jury can really put weight into and look at. And you can hold up in front of the jury and they say, here's this email. Here's this email from the Giants. Right? Here's this email from the Broncos. So, yeah, at this stage, if anybody tells you, you know, Flores is definitely going to win or he's not going to win, no one has any clue because no one has seen the emails, right? So, that, that's really where this yeah. case is going to be won and lost. Well, absolutely, Dan. And that's, you know, you follow all these legal stories. You're great on social media and whatnot. I know you do a lot of radio stuff and TV and whatnot. But the the email and with what we learned from the Washington, I guess the Redskins, now they're the commanders or whatever. But the the John Gruden story that came out of that, and you know, that was just an email. He, I'm sure he never imagined Gruden that that would ever come back to bite him. And it did. And so – uh, the the owners, I mean, you follow these things a long time. They're not going to allow this to get to discovery, are they? Because imagine the skeletons they've got in those 
those emails. Although some of these guys are so old, I don't know if they even email. But there's there's got to be stuff out there, right? A hundred percent. I mean, I, I would think, right? Just, I mean, I, if you asked me this question maybe like two, three months ago, I would say I'm not sure. You know, these are billion dollar teams. They probably are very smart. They probably, you know, when I'm saying smart, like I don't know, sneaky, right? They don't put anything in writing. Let's just talk about it, assuming that's what's going on here. Um, but we saw with the John Gruden saga uh, that at a very fundamental level, those emails were, were horrendous. Those emails existed on the server for years, and no one said anything about them. So I, I think the Gruden case kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit and tells you that maybe there's more behind the scenes than we've ever really you know, thought about. John Gruden made it to the highest level of the NFL head coach, right? And he was you know, his head coach for different teams over the course of you know, more than a decade. So... You don't really know what's behind the curtain. You ask me whether the NFL is going to pay to make this go away. I think they'd love to, but it, that always depends on the plaintiff in the case. Um, you know, another case that uh, you know I've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of coverage on is the Deshaun Watson case. There's 22 individuals who are suing Deshaun Watson in civil court. It's been reported that some of those individuals want to settle the case. They want to get paid. Other ones are more concerned about the message it sends and really sticking it to Deshaun Watson and keeping this case in court, keeping it in the public realm. Second, the case is settled. No one's going to talk about the case anymore. Maybe they will for a week or two. But this narrative on Watson has now gone on for a year because there are certain places that don't want to settle. If you ask me, you know, I'm getting the vibes that Flores doesn't want to settle. He didn't put an amount of money that he was seeking in the complaint, which is number one time. Number two is the kind of shock and awe value that he put into this complaint. He's got the quote, you know, the first sentence of the complaint is the Bill Belichick text. The second sentence of the complaint is a quote from Martin Luther King. And then he gets into the you know actual normal legal stuff. So you know, all the optics to me point out this is someone that wants to send a message. It's not someone that wants to settle. It's not someone that's going to go away so quickly. Um, and if you're the NFL, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better because you have now, again, like the Hugh Jackson's coming out, the Marvin Lewis is coming out. Uh, Hugh Jackson has his own allegations that he says the Browns paid him to lose games. Another African-American coach who was kind of you know, let go from his team and, and now can't find another head coaching gig. So, yeah, I don't. I think Benefold would love to settle it. I just don't think it's their call. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her 
roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. Yeah, and as far as Brian Flores doing all the the interviews and, and from the legal perspective, like the advantage you have, right, as a lawyer when you have a lawsuit like this is I'm pretty confident the NFL did not know this was coming, right? This is not normal that you blow the whistle when you're still trying to get a job. That's This is, uh, this is an unorthodox uh, way of doing things. So doing all the TV interviews, going on CNN and CBS and all these places, he, he's doing that for the court of a public opinion, right? This is this is to try to tug at the heartstrings, and that that's the message, right? You have the advantage there. You're trying to get your message out before the NFL can counter. Am I correct in that? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess you have to think. Right, he he could file a lawsuit not to any media. Um, the media was set up, and it wasn't just you know uh, you know podcasts and radios. He went to the two biggest shops, right? He went to CBS. He went to ESPN back to back. And he had his lawyers on the stage, you know, um, I, I, I don't know about the wisdom of this, but comparing him, you know, and they wanted this lawsuit to Rosa Parks, which I think is a creative decision. I, who am I to say whether or not he's the Rosa Parks of the NFL at this early stage? But that was a, a calculated move that his attorney planned to say. So I don't know. You know, I think to your point, the message it's sending is that this is not a guy that's going to settle and walk away. If, if Brian Flores accepted a check tomorrow, a hundred million dollars and walked away it sends a really bad message right um it sends a message of someone that literally built up all the steam to just get paid and, and to walk away uh, again it seems like someone that's giving up for a long protracted fight similar to kaepernick the case took you know years to, to develop um yeah so i don't I, I to your earlier point i think it sends the message uh, that if you hire brian flores for better or for worse there's going to be a lot of attention uh, on your team and not necessarily for on the field results which i'm not sure if the team is going to willingly sign up for that. And Dan, if you were advising with your, your legal mind there, if you were advising the, uh, the wonderful world of the NFL there, I know they have plenty of lawyers themselves, but what, what should the NFL do now? Cause this is the ultimate hot potato. No, you know, it's like a lot of guys don't want to talk about it because they're still employed by the NFL and everyone's very uncomfortable walking on eggshells. So what what would you do if you're the NFL? How would you handle this with grace, if you will? Um, well, I'd say damage control, the, the two words that come to mind, right? Um, and, I, and I think at a fundamental level that kind of, I don't know, that, I don't know what the right expression is. I think they kind of blew it with their initial statement. They said, uh, you know, you can read the whole statement. Uh, you know, they put out a statement, Giants put out a statement, Broncos, Browns, um, all the teams associated. The one that's getting a lot of flack is the NFL statement because it was done, you know, pretty crudely. It was sent out about an hour after the text, uh, the lawsuit was filed. And it ends with Brian Flores' claims are without merit. So, you know, you can convince me that the claim, his legal case is without merit. You're not really going to convince me that his claim that the NFL has a real diversity problem, that that's without merit. That's pretty clear, right? Mike Tomlin is the only. Uh, and, you know, black head coach, there's only six general managers that are black and you have no owners. So, yeah, I mean, it's subjective. Um, and then the other part is like, 
I don't know, Stephen Ross, this allegation that he paid, uh, you know, Florida's 100000 to, to to tank games. I don't know how you say this without merit, without conducting a full-blown investigation. So my advice to the NFL would have been, let's let, you know, have your statement not emphatically say that Flores is 100% wrong. That doesn't make any sense. Um, it should be we're launching a full and unfettered investigation. We're prepared to defend this, but, you know, we take these claims very seriously and we're launching a full investigation. We'll have more on this at a later point in time. Put out the statement, but don't completely poo-poo Brian Flores, who's, I, I think, whether he wins or loses his case, I think he's right that there is a diversity problem and something needs to be done about it. If the NFL doesn't want to, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, that's kind of what their message sent, that there's nothing here and we're going to swiftly move and we're going to get this case dismissed. Nothing to see here onto the Super Bowl. Let's talk about Brady's retirement. Um, that's how I read it, which uh, I think was was definitely inappropriate. Yeah, and based on what you've said here and kind of reading, reading the room and hearing things, and does your gut tell you that if we have this conversation in February of 2023, that this thing's still out there or does this end up vanishing by next NFL season, which is in September? What's, what is more likely to happen? What do you think? We're going to know, I want to say in about 60 to 90 days. If uh, So the NFL is going to move to dismiss, uh, which they always do. They move to do it in the, in the Gruden case. They always move to dismiss. We'll know in about 60 to 90 days, right around there, maybe a little bit longer if the judge agrees with that sentence, the case should be kicked out of court. And if it's not kicked out of court is when you enter discovery. So I don't know, discovery takes years, right? I mean, it's, it's a long process. So we'll know in, in, you know, again, that 60 to 90 day period, if this case is going to go a year, two years, three years, because um, that's how long it takes to depose all these people, to depose all 32 teams. It took that St. Louis Rams case that was, uh, you know, alleging that the NFL committed a fraud by moving the team from St. Louis to Los Angeles. You know, it legitimately took that case four years to get ready for trial. Um, and it didn't have the same type of sensitive undertones that this case does. And that this case will be playing out very publicly. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 you know, you asked me to bet on it right now. Uh, and uh, I think, as you know, I'm a, I'm a betting guy. Yeah. I'd say I'd say probably minus 225 that this case is around uh, a year from today. Bet the over. You got to bet the over on this is what you got to do. And, bet the over. Yeah. And That's fair. And, uh, the, the John Gruden story, now, this kind of off the radar. It's not getting that much attention. Uh, legally, you know, does, does Gruden have a leg to stand on? Uh, I know that there was a, a suit filed, as you, you talked about, the NFL immediately tried to dismiss it and all this stuff. But where Gruden's at right now, he's also probably not going to work in the NFL again. But is there any kind of way that he can get some money out of the NFL and actually win this? Um, I mean, it's another case kind of what we're talking about with Flores. Like, I don't really think Gruden cares about the money. Mm. Um, I think Gruden losing his job with the, with the Raiders and whatever endorsements, I think he had a Skechers deal. How much money was that really worth? Uh, he, he had signed a 10 year, I think a hundred million dollar contract. I think he was a couple of years in. So I was at 50 million, you know, at most, um, you know, maybe a little bit more for the endorsements. Um, I don't, I don't really think he was in, entitled to that number one. He's not going to be entitled to the whole amount because it's, you know, will he have kept his job anyway? You know, the Raiders were kind of a middling team, right? Um, but I don't, I don't think it's a guy that cares about money. I think it's a guy that cares about his re- reputation being destroyed uh, and wants to see why they leaked the emails, who else was in it, um, whatnot. I, if you ask me, I actually, I actually think that Gruden's case is, I don't know, and hopefully uh, old takes exposed doesn't find me on this, but like, 
I, I think there's some credibility there to the to the Gruden case. Maybe it's an easier case to prove than the Flores case. Because, like, I don't know, there's hundreds of thousands of emails, and only the emails that are leaked belong to John Gruden. So that seems to be someone selectively doing it. And then only three people had the emails. The lawyers for Washington football team, Washington football team, I guess now the commanders, we'll call them, and the NFL. That was it. So someone leaked the emails, and I think everyone can agree, whoever leaked it, Probably committed some type of, uh, you know, uh, some type of tortious element, some type that has some type of legal liability. So it was either Washington Football Team, the lawyers, or the NFL, right? It's you've just got to pick your poison here. Whereas, you know, in the Flores case, you got to prove this. It's 32 teams. You got to prove some collective element. It's certainly a much tougher sell. Well, and also Gruden was not an employee of the NFL right at the time. So when when those emails were sent, uh, he was not working for the NFL and. It is interesting how I remember we were talking about that on the, the radio show and those emails were all leaked to like major newspapers in New York, which I know the lawyer, a lot of lawyers in New York and what you're in New York, but it just seemed like it's right near the NFL offices. Like it was just too, too convenient uh, that that took place. But uh, it... do you love Selena? Like really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to Stan, the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Moving on uh, from that, though, Dan, uh, the, the Commanders, you've had some great stuff on social media, and I know you've got the podcast as well. The Commanders, the ultimate bland nickname. And uh, <laughs> just just generic. I guess we're in the age now where you can't have anything fun. But you brought up a great point on, on social media that one of the reasons that we have this not only because everyone gets offended by everything these days, but also there was a some random guy, right, I guess in Virginia, who has been waiting for this name change and had been hoarding different names. Explain, kind of walk me through 
what this guy was able to pull off and apparently successfully pull off and stonewall a billion, you know, $4 billion NFL team. See, I'm so happy you bring this up. Like, sports laws now in the last, you know, year or so getting a nice platform. I've been aware of all these, like, little niche stories for years, and uh, it's nice that they're coming out. There's a random actuary from Virginia. He has no ties to the NFL. He has He's just a random guy. If you looked at him on the street, you wouldn't look twice. Just some random dude. And a couple years ago, he goes, you know what? I think the name Redskins is probably going to get in trouble. with maybe This guy was like a, maybe like um, – you know, an early investor in crypto. He saw the trend happening before it really came to be. And he said, you know, it would be fun if I just started trademarking all these names, uh, Washington presidents, Washington monuments, Washington justice, uh, Washington red tails, which uh, I guess is a very popular name, Washington red wolves, you know, another popular name that I, I guess people in Washington really wanted. So while he's doing this, Dan Snyder is taking interviews. Uh, you know, very public interviews and saying, we will never change the name. Never. You could print that. Um, and this guy's just sitting here, you know, la di tr- trademarking about 30 to 40 names of pretty, you know, good, you know, good, I don't know, solid names that I would think are better than commanders. So this guy does it. He starts uh, opening up an online store with mugs and hats and T-shirts. And for trademark <laughs> law, you need to just prove you had a good faith basis for using a name and you were putting it into commercial use. So he's selling like two mugs a t-shirt with the Washington <laughs> monuments on it. And, and that, you know, was viewed by some as being legitimate. So fast forward. And obviously we know what happened. Washington announces a name change and Jason Wright, the team president, uh, I thought had the most telling interview. He goes, well, there were other names we wanted, but you know, there was kind of, there was some trademark issues and we kind of had to go a different route. And I'm sitting there, you know, like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme when he's like spitting out his beer and pointing at the television. <laughs> sure. I'm like, that's my guy, Martin <laughs> McCauley. You know, you just stonewalled a, a billion-dollar team into submission. So if you're unhappy with the commander's name, um, there's a there's a there's a world where you should be chuckling a little bit that this one guy uh, was able to disrupt the whole uh, NFL momentum. I mean, it's really a crazy story. Maybe a movie someday. Yeah, that definitely has. Uh, you could see that on the big screen, like how just some you know, kind of disheveled guy, and he just because uh, it doesn't cost that much. My my correct Dan, like the way to get something copyrighted or trademarked or whatever, it's not it's not that expensive, right? Like he didn't. How much do you think the guy was spending to trademark all these different names? I, it must not have been that much. I would think probably four four figures. You know, okay. maybe low five figures. It's not going to be that much. But where the critical flaw was for Washington, um, as far as I know, when, when Dan Snyder said, we're never changing the name, I imagine, right, if I'm a lawyer, I would probably have said, well, Dan, I know you never change the name. You know, if you do change it, shouldn't we get a backup? It's probably going to cost us like a thousand bucks. You know, what do you think? Yeah. And um, I don't think they did that. That was the mistake from a legal perspective. Like, I don't know, you don't, you can say you're never changing the name, but, you know, um, at least I'm spending a thousand bucks. You guys are worth a billion dollars. So millions in tickets every year get a backup name so you don't look really stupid and you have some <laughs> random Virginia actuary dunking on you and making you look incredibly incompetent. Absolutely. Uh, I, I We have a little time left. I wanted to talk about Deshaun Watson. You mentioned it. You referenced it earlier. This is also a fascinating you know, sports law case that he's missed an entire season. This thing is still dragging on and on and on. I know we're after the Super Bowl here, there's supposed to be some new revelations that are going to come out here. And you mentioned the publicity part of it. 
But he's already missed a year. Nobody wants to trade for Watson because this is still hanging around with these different women. And I'll ask you a question I asked earlier about the NFL case with with, uh, Flores. Uh, We have this conversation. We have you back then in September. The NFL is about to start another season. Is Deshaun Watson's legal trouble over? Or is this thing continuing? What do you think happens with Watson? We're about to hit an interesting point with Watson. Um, whether or not you want to believe it, Courts, uh, they've been wrong before. There's reportedly a grand jury that is in the process of convening. You know, it's almost done. Depends, depends what the deal is. But the grand jury will announce whether or not there's criminal charges. Um, the, the DA could have made that decision on their own, but they wanted to give it to the grand jury, probably because you know it's a high-profile guy, pretty popular in Houston. And maybe the DA did, you know, wanted to put the blame on, on the jury or the grand jury if they, uh, you know, uh, indicted him on, on criminal charges. That's going to happen. I mean, p- people have been saying it's going to happen any minute. It's been 11 months, and we haven't had it. I imagine, you know, we're, we're getting closer there. Um, if there are criminal charges, I, I don't think Watson is traded. I think Watson gets kind of, you know, the Michael Vick treatment, uh, and he just p- pushed in the background for years. I don't know. You know I mean, Michael Vick was, you know, legitimately sent to prison. Um, you know, and that happened fairly quickly. I don't. I think it's too premature to say that with Watson. But I, I think if you're a betting man, again, as, a, as I am, um, I, I think that the, uh, maybe it's less than, you know, it's certainly less. It's closer to even money. But I think you'd predict that there'd be some form of criminal charges. The DA's office is circling this. They sent out subpoenas for his social media accounts. They put a lot of time into this case. It would be odd for them to walk away with nothing. Um, I, I heard the same reports, which I'm sure you did, that the Carolina Panthers were considering potentially trading for him, even though this was hanging over his head. Ultimately, they did not. Um, but the Dolphins, you know, speaking of uh, Brian Flores, that those guys were thinking of trading for him, but ultimately did not. The trade window opens back up on March 16th, so pretty soon. Um, if there are no criminal charges by that time, it's possible a team takes a chance. Um, but again, my, my gut, I'll, I'll, I'll take whatever the over is. I'll, I'll certainly go with it. Yeah, so if that's the case, then uh, even on a civil thing, if it doesn't become criminal and he ends up having, you know, he loses, then he's going to be suspended i think he's suspended either way which is weird because he's already missed a season so anyway listen uh i i love you on uh, on twitter i've fallen you from afar there and you're you've got your podcast how can people keep in contact get caught up on all the sports law and you, you're blowing up here. you're on tv radio you're everywhere you're you're a one-man machine over there dan it's it's very impressive um i appreciate it um and uh yeah i mean we're getting lucky with a couple big stories so uh yeah i'm on social media at sports law lust uh, on twitter and instagram uh and then our podcast called conduct detrimental obviously we dedicated a full episode to the brian flores stuff we've done washington football team deshaun watson um but yeah the conduct detrimental is a uh, the top sports law podcast in the world. I'm not sure that's saying much because there's only like three of us, but uh, we'll, take it. <laughs> we'll take we'll take top sports law podcast in the history of humanity. I think that sounds yeah. even better. Well, I want you to know, Dan. I you know I love. I'm fascinated. I'm jealous that you get to work in that world because I every time I'm doing the sports radio, you know, we, it's pretty standard fare. But anytime one of these stories comes up, I imagine myself as a lawyer. And I try to think like a lawyer, and it's a. Uh, I always have a lot of fun with these things, so I uh, I appreciate your expertise and uh thank you we'll, we'll have you on again and good luck thank you my pleasure you tell me when Psst. there's a shortcut to platinum status at shell to saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day just fill up six times with shell v power nitro plus premium gasoline and it's yours plus you'll rejuvenate your engine 
Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, Platinum status is earned with 12 Phillips over three months, 10-gallon minimum per Phillip at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com status. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge Podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 